to Crown Conversations. I am joined today for Sucker Punch to the Heart Part 2, James Nicholson. Welcome, James. Whoa, it's a sucker punch to the heart. And it feels like a hockey fart. Oh, it hurts so good. When you're in the bottom of the division like dog food. That was amazing. Oh, I, it was something. I don't know if it was amazing. <laughs> Can't stop laughing. I think it's amazing. Oh, okay. Let, let's just, let's talk about our heartache. <sighs> okay. Well, coming into the season, we knew they were going to be bad. And on paper... They're not bad, but then on the ice, they're really bad. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I feel like next year, that's what we have to look forward to. Be, or maybe two years from now, because there's going to be regression towards the mean. There has to be where they have like negative Corsi games and win by two and a half goals on average. Like that, that has to happen at some point because uh, this very long road trip was very not good for the Kings. Yeah. They, they walked away with three points out of a possible eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were unlucky in Carolina and Maybe a tad unlucky in Tampa Bay. I didn't catch that game. I was busy doing something else. And But the, the Lightning are one of the best teams in the league, so I guess I have to give them the bolts a little bit of credit there. Oh, yeah. And then they kind of pooped themselves in Sunrise. I have no idea what that game was. They didn't show up for the first 50 minutes and then, you know, five minutes to go. They're like, hey, let's start scoring. <laughs> and, then, and then in philly they they were like all right we scored first that's good enough for us well yeah that was uh travis konecki night wow that uh he had a heck of a game against the kings and yeah it was i don't know the I don't know what else can be said about the Kings this year. Like we, they found fun ways to lose. They've they've had some thrills for us throughout the year. And like, we still have so much more of the season to go. We have 
We have like uh, 29 ish games left, right? Games, I thought it was 32. 32. Because they played 50 games. Yeah, and like, uh, they're done. Stick a fork in them. Like, it's just because, I mean, we're we're a few weeks away from the deadline, the trade deadline, and we're going to start seeing guys shipped out and and things are going to start looking different and. I mean, even Ontario season, like I, <laughs> I was genuinely excited for Ontario this year, and and that is kind of what hurts more <laughs> than uh, the Kings. I've been talking to Sarah about this, and I have a theory. And my theory for Ontario is that Mike Stuthers cares less about on ice results than how guys are playing he was hired to be a development coach so he cares more about effort and how people are playing on a given uh nightly basis versus is the team winning or is the team losing which makes sense because your nhl team does not give two squirts about their ahl team the ahl team is simply their development league that is a feeder team to the NHL. That is solely how they look at it. Win or loss, they really could not care less. I mean, if Mike Stuthers is fine with being an AHL coach for the rest of his career, which he might very well be, he, by all accounts, he's a good and well-respected development coach at the AHL level. But when you watch guys like Dallas Akins and Sheldon Keefe, uh, even Mike Sullivan with Pittsburgh, the way they step up from the AHL, that they were kind of in their team's you know back pocket waiting for their chance, you, you kind of wonder, um, are some guys – is the AHL used to develop coaches as much as it is used to develop players, or is it – Strictly players. I guess that would be a organization by organization basis. But um, I mean, it seems like Jared Anderson Dolan had a good run there before his call up. Uh, Martin Furk has had a good year. I mean, after that, you'll wonder. I mean, they were green on defense. We knew that they had a lot of young defensemen. I mean, is the most experienced blue liner. Well, I guess it was Kale Clegg and Austin Strand, right? Paul Ledoux. Yeah. You about Paul Ledoux. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did forget about Paul Ledoux. How could you forget As about most Paul? Kings fans have. He is uh, Ledoux for his break. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to get that in there. <laughs> you know, it, it was really fun. I was... I just had on the Carolina Islander game and I was watching that game and I was, I was looking at both teams defensemen and like both of those teams play the most exciting hockey with the most boring players other than Barzal and, and Svechnikov and Ajo. And our father, Justin Williams. Well, Justin Williams will always be Justin Williams. Like, 
it was great because it's his first game back and like I'm watching the third period and he gets the stick on his puck and then immediately makes two stick handles with no one around him and then puts his head up to see where the play is and like both guys are already at the the opposite blue line and he's like oh okay now I'll go <laughs> and like oh, classic stick I miss him I'm glad he's back in the league oh. but I miss him for you know, unrelated. I have to do this quick segue. The Kings mm-hmm. invited him out for the Carolina game, but he couldn't make it because his son had a tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's why. I I mean, that makes sense to me. That's why he took the break that he did was to make sure he was hanging out with his family, you know, and testing his body and making sure he was okay. But um, I think the point I was trying to make while watching that game is that even with personnel who aren't the flashiest, who aren't the most exciting, they're good teams. And for as excited as we are about Turcotte and Velarde and you know Anderson Dolan and Mikey Anderson and Sean Dursey and all these really flashy players in the pipeline, they're still going to play Todd McClellan hockey. And... I mean, granted, Todd McClellan's teams had guys who were super flashy and, and produced great under him and then did nothing once they left, like uh, Sadiguchi or Chichu. But, um, I mean, I think there's – I think maybe maybe our expectations for the Kings becoming this run-and-gun fast team a la Edmonton, eh, maybe that's not what we should be expecting, that we should be expecting – just a younger Terrell Sutter type of team. I mean, to be fair, I, I was actually talking, I forgot who I was talking to this about. I think I've been talking to a few people about this, but the, yeah, I was, I was thinking, is this really Todd McClellan or is this the, the, the players themselves? And I don't honestly know. And it's kind of weird well, not weird, but, you know, they, they basically, aside from John Stevens, who, no offense to this man, who is apparently, like, the greatest human ever, he's just not a really good NHL head coach, uh, and then Willie Desjardins, who was just completely over his head, um, you know, they've had very similar stats. But the difference between McClellan's team and Sutter's team's is that the Kings were a lot more like um, LaViolette's Predators in the sense that just shoot to shoot. Shoot for a re- – like, you know, you're mm-hmm. shooting for volume in hopes of wearing the other team down. Whereas McClellan's team right now, these teams uh, – sorry, this team, um, it's more structured offensively. Um, yeah, they get to the danger areas of the ice a lot exactly. more for and sure. They they do it a lot better than any of Sutter's teams ever did. Uh, Very true. Their te- like Sutter, I mean, it was only like three years, three three and a half years that he was with the with the teams with the team uh, with the franchise. I mean, uh, actually, I don't even know if it was. Yeah, it was three and a half years. Sorry, <laughs> I have a I have a point. I'm gonna make it. I promise. Okay. Um, they were always kind of average offensively they they were okay at generating high danger chances his teams were a lot better 
at decreasing chances. So they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. That's what Sutter was always known for. He was never really a run-and-gun team. And I don't think McClellan, McClellan is a run-and-gun type coach either. But from what I've heard, he is very instructive about what he wants his team or his, his players to do. Yeah, there's a lot of growing pains because in a lot of ways it felt like when Sutter took over for Terry Murray, this defensive system was just left intact. With McClellan, there's kind of a, a systematic rebuild in terms of how the structure is in all three zones. I mean, with the Kings going to the 1-3-1 through the neutral zone, back into the defensive zone like that, you know, that takes some getting used to for a lot of those players, especially guys who play on the right side. Um, and I don't know. It, it's – I like the things I'm seeing from the Kings other than them not winning games. If that makes sense. Like, I, there's hope. Like, this isn't, like, I, when you watch Detroit, yo, we have Dylan Larkin. Maybe Andreas Antonisayu won't. Antonisayu. Antonisayu won't be angry um, at us and hold out again. Like, like, there's not things I'm seeing in Detroit where anyone's, like, super pumped about the way things are going. And granted, okay, they have they have by far the worst record in the league. But being the worst team in the conference, or at least in the division here, um, the Kings, man, I, I don't see... Like, I can see where things are going, if that makes sense. Yeah. There's reason to be hopeful with the Kings. Like, it is definitely not all doom and gloom. I mean, if you look at their shot attempts per 60, they're, they're better than Carolina. I mean, not by much, and it's only – well, it's also because it's one game. Hold on. Let me actually check the percentages before I say that. Where are you? What's that old adage? Better check the percentage. Well, if, if I check the percentage, I think that's more fair than per 60. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. You're better with the numbers. I am a writer by trade and <laughs> a stat guy by necessity. Um, you did stats for John Rosen, okay? That makes you an expert. Oh. Oh, is that? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. anyway, so even if it's per 60, I think that it's a pretty good – I forgot where I was going with this. I had a point, but now I can't remember what the point was. Mm -hmm. What's the point of this podcast again? Uh, I think really to just let me drink whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yes. Okay. So Corsi four per 60, the Kings are in fourth overall in the league. They are a, a smidge above Carolina. Dead last. Dead last in the league is Detroit. Like, there is, there's no hope. Well, like, things, I mean, I, things I, are bad. 
Buffalo is 30th, and then St. Louis and Edmonton are 29 and 28. Yeah, but when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you can get away with a lot of sins. That's true. And, like, but St. Louis, a team that was always a good Corsi team, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like, being the third worst Corsi team for 60, pretty crazy. If we look at the percentages, uh, yeah, Kings are once again in fourth. And, oh, it's actually, by percentage, things are better for St. Louis. They're, they're 15th. They're right in the middle of the pack. Uh, Edmonton is still 27th, Detroit 28th, and then the two New York teams are at the bottom. <laughs> Speaking of hopeless, the New York Rangers, I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and I think um, today. I mean, they have some fun players. Like, I, I don't know what to, to do beyond that. I, I, <laughs> I mean, their their defense... Uh, I mean, is it a Shia LaBeouf movie? Because it's a bunch of holes. Oh, no. I should leave. (laughs) That's it. I'm kicking you off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's earned. I I thought you were going to say because it's something about like he's like sweaty and shiny. Because he's been, <laughs> it's it's because he was in so many J.J. Abrams movies that all I can think of now is like his bad acting and J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams style of ruining movies. Right. It's like right. I, I saw the rise of Skywalker, and I was like, okay, this is a fun and entertaining movie, but J.J. Abrams needs to literally stop directing and producing movies. I saw that movie as well because I support my wife, who's a big Star Wars fan, even though I don't like Star Wars. Oh, my God. Your wife is perfect. How did you meet this woman? Uh, it's a very long story. <laughs> okay. Well, story for another time. Yes. But anyway, back to the Kings. They, I do see, you know, with, with Turcotte and Bjornfoot and um, uh, Bagamo. Ba- mm-hmm. Bagamo? I, I cannot say his name. The kid who basically stole the spotlight at World Junior. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he stole the spotlight, but somehow Alexi Lafreniere was voted as MVP. I'm like, mm, okay. Well, you know what? Gosh, that game against the USA to start, like where he steals the puck at the blue line and charges in, like that looked like Mario Lemieux. Like, I, I get it. But, okay, um, to be fair, you, uh, since we're on this segue now, now that thanks a lot, James. Uh, to be fair, USA be fair. coaching was abysmal. Oh, like, it was so bad. So their, bad. Their defense is young and they were always going to struggle, but their coaching was just like, let me throw some darts at the board and see what sticks. I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall, y'all. Like, it's hard because Condre Miller is a guy who, like, him being your number one D-man, like, uh, that's a guy – he's like an Adrian Kempe on defense. I feel oh. like all the tools are there. It's just never put together all at the same time in a game. And, yeah, and then, like, Turcotte starting, like, 
as like a left wing and then uh Kaliev starting as just a power play guy not even on a regular line like it, it to be fair Kaliev was really bad in the two games leading up to the world juniors and that's fine but like uh, I don't I don't know I don't get it I really don't get it. the fact that I mean did Cole Caulfield score more than one goal in the in the whole world juniors I don't even think so I don't think so but I mean it's it's yeah it was bad those things Tournaments are a funny thing, and, and guys can get hot or, or run cold in, in tournaments, especially ones that are counted on to be mad scorers like Cole Caulfield. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not necessarily putting the blame on any one person or anything except for the coaching staff because I don't know what happened there. And I, I hate to be that armchair coach and be like, yeah, I could have done better than you, but I just like – and I'm not saying that I could have done a better job, but it's just kind of, and I guess I have the, I have hindsight on my side, but at the same time, I'm like, even with a little bit of, um, not even foresight, but just sight. I'm just, I was yeah. looking at those lines going, I'm like the confused dog or, or that basketball player. God, please don't kill me. Cause I forgot his name. <laughs> Nikki- Everyone knows that meme, the basketball player. <laughs> No, it, he's a basketball player, but it, it's the one with the frozen smile and his head slightly tilted, and then it's got all the question marks. That was me when I was looking at all of USA's lines, going, I don't, yeah. I don't understand this. It's, it was like Nikki or Little Nikki or something like that. I can't mm-hmm. remember I can't remember his name. I, I only watch Adam Sandler's dramatic roles. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> If I were a worse person, I would attempt to do an Adam Sandler impression right now, but I am not that horrible. So I will oh, spare you listeners. Please. It's okay, because you're going to do your David Spade later. You promised me that, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Joe Dirt does not live here. There's no Jane, uh, Jane Dirt either. <laughs> I want to see a movie called Jane Dirt now. <laughs> <laughs> where it's Anna Ferris recreating Joe Dirt. Oh my god. I want to see that movie so bad. That movie was oh. That was a terrible movie. I'm sorry. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> oh, he got the poo on him. Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but every time I talk to you, I stray way off topic. <laughs> Back to the Kings. There's hope for the future with Turcotte and Bjarnfoot and and Jarrett Anderson Dolan, Jad, as I affectionately refer to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I don't know if Mike Southers is content to be an AHL coach or whatever for the rest of his career. I am not privy to the to the inner workings of his life. But it not that have- that's a bad thing. I, I just no, want to no, reiterate no. that. It's not. No. And I'm, I'm, I'm by no means uh, trying to, to crap on Stuthers or anything because he's, he's a great coach. Yeah. And people have nothing but awesome things to say about him. And, and by all accounts, I mean, even in my interactions with him, I can see how he is a – he's kind of a tough love coach in the sense mm-hmm. that these – they're 18, really, these, the, the, the guys that come to him, they're 20 years old. They're adults. They are grown-ass men who can vote. They can go to war in any country that they're from. 
they can't legally drink in the U.S., but they can legally drink pretty much anywhere else in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I can see how he's of the manner that it's it's personal responsibility. So right. I asked him one time back in the early days, I was like, did you say anything to the team? Um, because they were down like three goals or something, and then they came back, ended up losing in overtime at the last minute to a really – this was back in 2015 – to a really good San Antonio Rampage team. Oh, yeah. That team was ridiculously stacked, the Rampage. They were. Like, no, I don't say anything to the team between periods. It's up to them if if it's up to the leaders in the room. If the, if the guys want to say something, they can. If they want to talk to me about, you know, X, Y, Z or anything on the play, they can come to me. But I'm not going to sit there and hold their hands. They have to be the ones who have to want this. I can't want it for them. So I, I get the the point where – where, uh, like I said, Stuthers is a personal responsibility coach. Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's still interesting what is happening with the rain because they're a bad team. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why because on paper, they have a lot of talent. They have so much talent on paper. It's, uh, it's but- a little bit disheartening this year. And yeah, go ahead. I, I think I think for me coming into this year, knew it was going to be bad for the Kings. That's fine. Sign me up for the rain. Let's watch them be fun, go crazy. Watch you know Jersey come flying in from the point and make a crazy play. Let's watch Kill Clegg quarterback the power play to a crazy percentage. You know, let's watch Austin Strand end up with, like, weird moments where he's, like, down at the goal line in the offensive zone and, like, shoots a tough angle puck and it goes in. Like, yeah, let's get that team going. And it it never really happened. And, uh, you know, Mario Kempe leaving in the middle of the year was weird. Um, I don't know. There's there's so many – there are – it seemed like there was going to be a million question marks for the Kings, but it seemed like the answers were going to be in Ontario this year. And it doesn't really feel like they are. I mean, Kale Clegg did come up and Martin Furk came up as well. And they both slotted in on the Kings really nicely. I mean, it looked like they have been playing with the team the whole year and, and Kale Clegg being, what is he like 21 or something? And to come in and just excel against a pretty decent Buffalo team, I thought that was really impressive, especially mm-hmm. being that he's like, I think he's like 20 or 21 years old. Like, he's like 21. But, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, they both, like I said, they, they both look like they, they fit really well with the team. And anybody who has come up with from Ontario, like uh, Wagner and Walker, well, I think Walker started the year with the Kings, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but basically, anybody who has come up from Ontario this year, they've looked pretty good with the team. So I guess you could mm-hmm. say that they are – the questions are still in Ontario. But as we have been discussing, they are – they're in development mode. So that by the time they get to the NHL, they fit in like a puzzle piece, like a, a key mm-hmm. and a lock with the team. Yeah, no, I I understand that, and like, 
it's one of those things where like i mean prior to last year okay so 2017 2018 uh kale clegg at the junior level in the whl he played in 54 games in those 54 games he had 71 points is that right uh 47 plus 24 that's yeah about that <laughs> yeah 71 points don't ask me to do math i'm sorry <laughs> he he scored a lot in the playoffs that year for moose jaw he was a point a game player he had 14 points in 14 games world junior okay two assists in six games the previous year at the world junior he had six points in seven games really good and Ontario last year, he had 29 points in 52 games before he got hurt. Pretty good this year, 32 games at Ontario, 15 points. So we, we are seeing the offensive production scale down, but it's probably because he's being asked to do a whole lot more defensively. And I remember seeing an interview with Sean O'Donnell maybe two years ago when he transitioned from the role on the broadcast to the development role with the Kings. And he talked about just making Kale Clegg watch video of Nicholas Lidstrom. Because Sean O'Donnell felt like that's the kind of player Kale Clegg could be. Where he could just control the whole pace of the game. Um, in all three zones. And sure. I mean, there were times when, in those four games he was up with the Kings where he slid into a few of them. Like, there were times where like, he looked completely lost. And there were times where he made really, like, his decision-making was on point. He would pinch in. He would carry the puck through, you know, the defensive zone, carry it to the blue line, uh, the opposing blue line, and dump it in or make a play. And it was fun to see. Um, and I maybe that, that Nick Lidstrom type of thing is, is there. I think he skates probably faster than Lidstrom did in a straight line. Um, <laughs> But maybe that's just because I really only remember Lidstrom when he was older. <laughs> you want to know what's... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish your thought. That was really it. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Um, I was just going to say, you know what's really interesting is that that's exactly the the things that they were talking about with Tobias Bjornfoot. Is that, you know, there were times... he I think he only played like three or four games with the Kings. Maybe he played a few more... No, he had to play more. Uh, he had to play less than uh, less than nine. So I think he's only played. I think like, he was three. I'll double check here for you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah. So he only played a few games for the Kings, but so there were times when he looked completely overwhelmed by the pace of play, and then there were other times when he just made like insane decisions, and I mean insane in a good way. You're just like, wow, mm -hmm. I. I can see why they drafted this kid as early as they did because he's got really good potential. And I, I can't really, I mean, especially watching Drew Doughty, our, our veteran player or whatever, you know, supposed to be one of the best defensemen in the world, blah, blah, blah. Please reserve your judgment about whether or not he is. I don't actually care mm -hmm. about, I mean, if you think he is or not. My point is, you know, he's a veteran player. And even he still kind of occasionally looks not overwhelmed, but he has these head scratching moments when you're going, 
um, you've been in the league for how long and you're still <laughs> I feel like when those moments happen, it's because Drew Doughty's like, I'm just going to see if I can pull this off. Let's just try this crazy thing. That is 100% what it is. Like, he's making a decision based on his experience, and he's like, well, things are going wrong, or, you know, th- this, set- this sequence of events is occurring right now, so let me try this. And mm-hmm. sometimes it works, and other times it's like, oh, oh Drew, no, ah, Drew. <laughs> I'm looking at uh Tobias Bjornfoot stats he's a plus eight in 27 games with Ontario this year I don't feel like there's a lot of plus defensemen at Ontario listen when they're giving up 40 plus shots a night I don't know how they can be a plus player it doesn't matter what your role is I they, they give up I think they average 35 is their <laughs> um, oh boy yeah that was something that i saw a lot like a couple months ago like back in like end of november or something it was like that yeah they're i think the worst in the in the ahl um with how much they give up on average so k i mean cal peterson bless him um and i just that's a question mark with Stuthers for me. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not dumping on Stuthers here, but I'm. I'm. I'm almost worried that they are going to burn out Peterson before he gets anywhere. It, I mean, so the Rain won their game the other night. I think it was like two to one, and um, Peterson stopped fifty of fifty-one shots. Oh. 51 shots against. Oh, is this 2011 Jonathan Quick? Oh <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, that's, I mean, so there are some things I like. I know that Stuthers talks about preparation and everything, but there are other things that I, I wonder about. And it's, it's, it's not a, again, it's, it's not a criticism of Stuthers. It's a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? I mean, your team is giving up. <laughs> 35 shots a night on average and then I think Cal Peterson started like 20 games in a row mm-hmm. so I was like please don't kill Cal <laughs> <laughs> um so just out of my curiosity I'm looking at the plus minus for the rain and of course you know the, the fancy stats disclaimer plus minus not a total great picture of any player's overall performance. But um, with players who have played more than 10 games this year at the Reign, there are six-plus players. And that's <laughs> Bjornfoot, Paul Ledoux, Matt Luff, Martin Furk, Blaine Byron, and then Mikey Isamont. Isamont is a plus-one. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's tough going. I am... Um... Honestly, not at all surprised. They have lost – well, they've lost a lot of close games because mm-hmm. their their offense is apparently non-existent. I mean, the, the Kings have their own offensive woes, but the, the rain just, like, absolutely cannot score, like, to save their lives. Mm-hmm. And then I just wonder about their team defense <laughs> giving up 
so many shots every night. But they've lost yeah. quite a few blowouts, too. I mean, I think last week, the uh, Cal Peterson was pulled after giving up six goals. <laughs> I'm like, That's third. rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean, because their leading goal scorer is Martin Furk at 19. And, like, he's an AHL all-star. But, like, Sheldon Rempel still doesn't have a goal. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he's played 39 games. He only has 10 assists. No goals. And that was their all-star last year. I think the Kings were looking for a big year from from Rempel. And it's just... I know know that they're really happy with Asimov's game. Um, Mm -hmm. I think... I don't know if he's an NHL player. Asimov? I think he's a... Well, I don't want to say this, but I think he's a tweener. Yeah, I think so too. I think Mikey Anderson is also a tweener. Um, well, it's his first year pro. All right, fair enough. But I just Asa Mons is a second year guy. I mean, maybe we can give it a, one, a couple more years. Well, not a couple, but like another year for Asa Mons. But I really yeah. feel like he's he's one of those guys that really could go either way, like like Johnny Brodzinski. But, or Matt Luff. Or Matt Luff, yeah. Or but Carl Krunstrom. No, don't you talk about Carl that way. <laughs> I love Carl. I, I just, love Carl, too. I wish he had regular minutes with the Kings. I just don't I, understand that. I, just, I, 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 I don't understand it either. Like He did really yeah. well last year in the limited usage, and then this year he just – Different coaching staff. Yeah, he just couldn't find a spot with McClellan. But for yeah. whatever reason, the uh, because I know that the GM and the coach they always talk about. Okay, well, you know, um, you know, based on where the team is at, who do you want to look at? Or you know, the GM is going to say, why don't we give a look at you know who whoever player? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure they they have conversations about who do they think would would do well. But I don't understand. Matt Luff's recall more than Carl Grundstrom's recall. Like, why are they giving Matt Luff a longer look than Carl Grundstrom? I mean, is it a yeah. contract thing? Is it because Luff is Luff is I think twenty four, right? Mm-hmm. Are they this or are they the same age? Uh, uh, thank you, Elite Prospects, for all the good good work you do. I appreciate <laughs> you as a resource. Um, so Grundstrom is 22. Oh, okay. And same with Matt Luff. Oh, God, I thought he was like 24. We've heard him for a while, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish that they would have a little bit of a longer look at Grundstrom because I feel like Grundstrom has a lot of tools that the Kings are looking for. But he might also be another Adrian Kempe. But then still, is Matt, but Matt Luff is a Canadian. I mean, these these are all guys who are kind of same side. They're like the same sides of the same coin, essentially. I feel like they're expecting Carl Grundstrom to fill the Kyle Clifford role, but with less fighting. What? No, that's dumb. <laughs> well, I, I I feel like that's the reason why we haven't seen him. I feel like. Uh, it sounds weird to say, but God forbid they trade Kyle Clifford <laughs> before the <laughs> deadline, even though he's on an expiring contract. Like, 
Grundstrom to me makes sense slotting into that spot in the lineup. Um, I feel yeah. like no, well, I mean, I almost feel like he could take Tyler Toffoli's spot. He almost seems like a redundant mm-hmm. Tyler Toffoli at this point. Ooh, I like that more. Yeah. And especially because they're probably going to trade Tyler Toffoli at the deadline. Right. So it kind of makes sense that if Matt Luff is a tweener then, and who doesn't get regular minutes anyway, it makes more mm-hmm. sense to keep getting Carl Grunstrom minutes down in Ontario uh, right. so that they could have him fill uh, Tyler Toffoli's spot. Um, unfortunately, I mean, I feel like Tyler Toffoli is probably a 20 to 25 goal scorer, just mm-hmm. not with the Kings. And I, I, I'm wor- I'm a little concerned that Rob Blake is following a little too closely in his mentor steps and that it's a little bit more of a quote-unquote well-rounded team as opposed to focusing a little bit more on the highly skilled part of it. But then you look at teams like Tampa and uh, Toronto, they've been struggling a little bit this year. So that could also scare a lot of GMs off. Be like, Mm -hmm. well, if you build an all-star team, it might not work. Well, yeah, but if you build a crap team, it still won't work. Unless you're the Blues. Oh, God, I want them to fail. (laughs) As do all Kings fans. I hate them. It's it's interesting because I was talking to a friend um, and I was telling him, I was like, you know, the Kings, they're just like, they have the absolute worst luck when it comes to scoring. And he goes, well, maybe it's the on-ice talent. And I was like, "Um, I didn't really think so, but maybe it is. And we were talking about Tyler Toffoli. And he's like, well, I mean, right now, Tyler Toffoli is only a 15-goal guy. You could get that out of, really, if he has a good year, Kyle Clifford, who is, I think, on pace to match his career high, which is... Yeah, two years ago. Or last year. Yeah, uh, 11 goals last year. Yeah. uh, I mean, Toffoli already has 12. Like, So he could be 25 goals. Well, 30 games. He's probably going to be about 20 goals. Yeah, he could be a 20-25 guy. Like... I see nothing wrong with that. But no. For whatever reason, this, this, this org has soured onto Foley, and I don't I really don't understand it. It's funny you say that because, like, I kind of feel like uh, Todd McClellan gives him the most tough love. Like, come on, dude, I believe in you more than anyone. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I get, the, I get the feeling too. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's rooting for Tafoli, but. For whatever reason, it's just not going to Foley's way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's such a weird team. Cause like, we can say things just haven't really gone their way for practically everyone on the team, but Ayafalo and Kopitar. Well, even, well, how many points does Ayafalo have? I mean, he has more than last year. Um, oh, that's right. He matched his career high, and actually, I think he—I guess he—he's he, well. He has more. Okay, he has twenty-seven points in fifty games this year. He has ten goals. 
Um, last year he had 33 points overall, 15 goals. So right. like he's he's well on pace to have a career year. Um, and he's only minus one on this team. Yeah, he's had a good year. Yeah, Maybe right. some of it is getting to play with Kopitar. Oh, I'm sure a lot of it is getting to play with Kopitar. But like, it, I've never seen that guy take a shift off. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Kopitar's had a great year. I mean, he's he's right back where he normally is as the Kings' leading scorer, 43 points in 50 games, 17 goals. Yeah. Yeah, he's – I mean, and I feel like quietly Jeff Carter is also having a decent year, but everyone's like over Carter. Dude, I feel the same way. I'm sorry for calling you dude. In, in <laughs> no, you're from California. Everybody's dude in California, okay? Yes, exactly. Like, 14 goals, 23 points for Carter this year. That's fine. I mean, that's already – he has more goals than he had each of the last two years. Yeah, and, I mean, he's healthy right now as far as we can tell. And yeah. he, Yeah, he's outperforming his goals – I, I just I don't see any problems with Carter's game. He's not taking any shifts off either. But I feel like for whatever reason, just in the fan base at least, mm-hmm. it's or and outside, but maybe not coming from the Kings. Maybe these are outside expectations. But I feel like people are expecting more. I mean, oh, I feel like Kings fans are are over Carter for whatever reason. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that that too. But I mean, 14 goals, he's also on pace to easily be 20 to 25. If he mm-hmm. got 25 goals this year, which would be a miracle, that would surpass his 2015-16 output. He's yeah. 35, okay? Jeff Carter's yep. 35 years old, and he still skates very well. He still sees the ice incredibly well. Like He's not Ilya Kovalchuk, but he's he's scoring. And I just I, – I don't understand why Kings fans are just, like, so sour this year. I – if Jeff Carter gets traded before the deadline, I want him on the Islanders. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. But, like, for me – that just seems like such a good fit style wise. Like, cause they have, they have so many old guys on that team <laughs> who play really well and like, just do their job. Like they're not like Leo Komarov is still really good on that team. Like <laughs> it, it, it's crazy to me. I don't, I, maybe it's just cause I was just watching that Islanders Carolina game and I just want that to be a playoff series so bad (laughs) that would be a really I think intriguing game that would be I don't could you imagine though postseason storm well they don't do it I think but oh I want postseason storm surges oh is that too much to ask (laughs) (laughs) like man I'm going to dump on the Kings a little bit right now, but like watching that game, Jacob Slavin is just like, he does all the little things Derek Forbert never does. <laughs> like I, I talked to someone in the Kings. I mean, this is 2013 probably. 
before Forbert made it up with the Kings. And I just kind of, because I, you know, I got to be at that draft. It was at Staples Center where the Kings moved up. I think they traded with Florida to draft Derek Forbert in 2010, I think. And I asked someone like, oh, Derek Forbert, how's he developing? And they just looked at me like <laughs> just, they were mad I brought up his name. And then they just like, they just said, bust and like expected me to change the subject (laughs) and like he's been a good defenseman you know he Mm. i mean he's Mm. you know (laughs) maybe it's that his partner has been drew dowdy for most of the time um but like you know he, he he's that tyler myers kind of he's really tall and skates pretty good and like can just take up space. Um, I mean, maybe a team like Winnipeg wants a Derek Forbert. Um, I mean, Carolina and the Islanders both have injury issues. Toronto has a million injury issues. It feels like same with Montreal. Yeah. Same with Pittsburgh. My gosh. Yeah. The Florida is a team who, uh, (laughs) Fingers crossed they trade for Jonathan Quick because um, <laughs> they need goaltending help because Bobrovsky has not had it this year. Um, no. I talked to the managing editor, Todd, of uh, Litterbox Cats, and the mm-hmm. fan base is well, – they're all a little disappointed that uh, Bobrovsky is not quite living up to what they signed him for. And they're like mm. – Oh, Really? That's oh, I wouldn't have expected that. All that money, that kind of performance. They're not happy. Ah. Oh my god. Yeah, but they got Joel Quenville, so they'll be they'll be fine. <laughs> They're not bad. They're not a bad team, that's for sure. Mm, well, Joel Quenville makes them better than they are. Well, sure, he makes a lot of teams better. That's fair, but <laughs> I just mean that. Without Joel Quenville's uh, coaching, that mm-hmm. it would definitely be well. Okay, that's we're just saying the same thing, but yeah, right. it just definitely he has transformed the team. He has given their stars back their power. It's almost like Joel Quenville took the team and then made them something that they weren't before. God, it's, it's almost like he's a really good coach. It's almost like Joel Quenville. Quinville is good at his job, which is being an NHL coach. Shut up. That's not possible. Is anyone still listening? (laughs) (laughs) So here's digging into the individual stats. Here's something that I found that was really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. In 45 games played, guess who leads – do not cheat on this. Guess who leads the team in shots per 60? Don't cheat. Don't cheat. I will say Clifford or Amadio. No. Although you're not that far off. Austin Wagner. Uh, I, I see that. He gets, Yeah. I love Austin Wagner, but he's not that good. He's got wheels. He's, he's a younger Trevor Lewis. And I said this to somebody and they got a little offended. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but it's true. 
Uh, I, when, the, when the Kings drafted Adrian Kempe, I told my friend they just drafted a new Trevor Lewis. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's the sweetest Trevor Lewis. And he, yeah. and, and then when he was, um, he's gotten better under McClellan. But mm-hmm. last year, I mean, he took as many penalties as Lewis used to took under Sutter. Took, yeah. Used to take when, when under Sutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, second on the team is Tyler Toffoli. Um, and he's also first in goals for 60 with .89. So, whatever issues the fan base has, I'm not really seeing it. But, I don't know. This is on paper versus the all-too-critical eye test. Ooh. Ooh, the eye test. <laughs> so fun. Um, it is. I don't well, know. Well, this is also coming from Nat's stat trick, and mm-hmm. I don't see Jeff Carter on here, but this, this here's a weird thing about looking at Nat's stat trick. I don't know why, but they have Dominic Kubalik, and they have Tanner Pearson, and they have Ryan Boyle, Andy Andrioff, Jordan Wheel, Eric Chernick, and Wayne Simmons, still, and Braden Shen, and Nick Dowd, and Colin Miller, still on the team, and Nick Shore. <laughs> Oh, they're just giving us all the what could have been. Twist that knife, Nat Stat trick. Oh, stick it in deep. Ouch. Ah! (laughs) Sorry. I'm 12. (laughs) You're very well spoken for a 12 year old. Um. (laughs) Thank you. Look at NHL stats just just to compare. Yeah. Oh, no one regrets Dominic Kubalik leaving, right? Ugh. From what I – I don't know if this is true, but I think he wanted, like, a more guaranteed something or another with, like, yeah, his cell time. It, it and, seemed like he had no intention of playing for the Kings. Yeah, that's what John said. John Rosen said. Mm-hmm. So, I was like, okay, well, I mean, whatever you want, dude. But I think it was also partly because they were not going to guarantee uh, his playing time or whatever. That was, like, what it came down to. So he's like, all right, screw it. Well, I don't know how true it is, but that's just kind of what other people felt. Yeah. Hey, our boy Derek Forward apparently leads the team in shot attempt percentage. (laughs) Well, he's only played, like, eight games. Six. <laughs> okay. Well, I was way off. You should just discredit everything I say from now on. That's my you job. you haven't already. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, on, on paper, I feel like the, the team is doing, or at least the individual players, are doing fine. I just mm-hmm. – but I guess Blake has – well, obviously he does, but – Rob Blake has a plan. Uh, we're not privy to the plan. We are fans. That's fine. We don't need to be privy to the pa- privy to the plan. It's just um, I don't know. And I think yeah. that's a good way of putting it. I don't know. No, like I, I'm looking at the team's Corsi percentage right now, and like for the individual players and like the guys who lead it, who have had substantial time. Uh, or substantial games played. Like, Wagner's leading the team in Corsi 4. Yeah. 
Blake Lizotte, Tyler Toffoli. Like, yeah, I mean. It is absolutely no surprise to see Blake Lizotte. No. Legit who came out of nowhere. I didn't. I didn't think that he was going to make the team out of camp. I was like, they're not going to take this little shrimpy dude who's had like three good games and then the whole fan base is clamoring over him. I'm like, everybody needs to calm down. He's okay. (laughs) Like now he's awesome. Although he's injured right now. Please get well soon. Like, I mean, looking at the team, like, so many of the players are above 50%. Yeah. Corsi. And like the ones who, okay, Martin Furk, even 50%. That's fine. Well, the ones at- who are below 50, Cole Chuck, <laughs> Kale Clegg, Tobias Bjornfutt. Well, I'm looking at guys on, on the NHL's website, mm-hmm. um, and I'm looking at guys who played 30 plus games. Um, that's only 17 of them, mm-hmm. and everybody is 50% or better. Even Alec Martinez, who has only played 32 games, he has he's 50.2. Drew Doughty, 50.2. Dustin Brown, 52, 50.2. Alex Iafalo, 50.7. And Iafalo is going to be um, – he's going to see a lot of the top competition because he is playing on Kopitar's wing. Mm-hmm. But Jeff Carter and Andre Kopitar, they're both at 51 and 52%. Like, so on paper, the team is doing fine. For Corkins, 54%? You know you what? That as well? Oh, yeah. Um, they, uh, yeah, 54%. Well, like 53.9, but same difference. Okay. Sure. Same difference. Sorry. <laughs> I'm rounding up. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, this, you know, I think, goes back to my first point. We are seeing good things. They just don't happen with wins. <laughs> What's a win? <laughs> uh, Although I can say, even though it didn't directly happen, when you lose to the Kings, you might get a new coach. hey <laughs> Looking at you, Vegas. We did it to St. Louis last year. And... Well, I, we didn't do it to San Jose directly this year. Actually, no. I think we did. Because I think they lost to the Kings back in, like, November. And then, like, a week later, they fired they fired their coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they fired him in early December. And yeah. I think um, this was the game right after Thanksgiving. They beat the Sharks up in San Jose. Mm-hmm. And then the the San Jose lost, like, Three, two or three more games after that, the San Jose. The San Jose. <laughs> the San Jose Jose's. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. That is two teams that have lost to the Kings this year and have fired their coach. Man, I, I just pulled up on Natural Stat Trick, the PDO. And, like, <sighs> <laughs> Detroit worst PDO in the league. Oh, of course. 100%. Number two, the the San Jose. (laughs) Number three, the Kings. I'm honestly not surprised. Okay. Number four, the Devils. No big surprise there. The fifth worst PDO, Vegas Golden Knights. Yep. 
Number six, Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Montreal Canadiens. And then the, the Hurricanes, Ducks, and Oilers round out the top ten. Oh, the Hurricanes surprised me, but the Hurricanes, I think we're getting, no, they're being buoyed by excellent goaltending. Yeah. 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 James Reimer had a really twice. good game. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Kings have scored exactly zero goals against the Hurricanes this year. Yep. Nice big old fat goose egg. Woo! Like they <laughs> should. I want to say they had that game, oh man, was it the 15-16 season? Where like it was a back-to-back where they played in Detroit and then went to Carolina the next night and then Justin Falk just annihilated the Kings. If I remember correctly, and it was when Carolina was still bad, but like they were coursey monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and interesting to me because in both games that the Kings have played against the the Hurricanes, they have been by and large the better team on the ice. Yes. But I, they were really unlucky against Morazic because Morazic was like in a zone when the the hurricanes were in LA. Right. And I remember it was a I think it was like a poor turnover or something that led to the goal against uh when the when the canes were in Los Angeles. And then they couldn't beat Reimer because it was just horrible horrible luck. And I I know people hate it when you say it's bad luck, but no, it, it really is bad luck because Yeah. And while I do give credit to the Hurricanes for their ability to clear rebounds and make sure that Reimer had good sight at the puck, there were certain things that were happening. Like when he was screened, the pucks just hit him. So like, yeah. you know, right, right off the face off. And I've brought this up a couple of times and anybody who's a listener, they're probably like, find something else to talk about, but I have to talk about this. Anyway, um, you know, right off the face off Toffoli had a great shot, grazed the edge of Reimer's glove. And I'm like, are you the the other day or the other night when they were in Vegas? That was a goal. Yeah. Against Reimer, it hits him. I'm like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> uh, just a couple centimeters, and it would have been a goal. Yeah. But that's why I say they have bad luck. And yes, I know some of it does come down to the on ice talent, but at the same time, where is their lucky rabbit's footer? Or if you want something vegan, where is their lucky horseshoe? I'm looking at like the high danger chances percentage and the Kings are in the top 10. They're the eighth, they're the eighth best team in the league at creating high danger scoring chances and preventing them that, you know, the math and, but they have the second worst shooting percentage in the league (laughs) behind Detroit. (laughs) And like they're, if we look okay, if we're using those two criteria, their comparable is Dallas. Oh. How weird does that make you feel? I have mixed feelings. Because well, it's funny, I know that they lost to Dallas basically on the stick of Jamie Ben. But Jamie right. Ben is a King's killer. He has scored against you know, every, everybody has their one team that they like to play against or that they score most frequently against. 
but he takes it to another level. He has scored the most, by far, against any one team, the Kings, <laughs> for his entire career. It's really annoying. <laughs> there was a few years ago when the Kings had it on their broadcast, Jamie Benton, Kings killer, and I forget how many goals against it. It was like 20-something against the Kings, and then it was like 15 against the next team. And I was like, Jamie Benton, go away. We, we yeah. need to play Dallas when Jamie Benton is not healthy. Yeah. Although they'll just find somebody else who, like, needs to get going. Like, they'll just score against the Kings anyway. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean. It, like, never fails. There was – I forget who they were playing, but it was it was somebody that you go – that scored against the Kings – some, not even a rookie. It was just somebody who, like, it was like a veteran or somebody. And you're going, who? Oh, they're depth player. Got it. Somebody who hasn't scored in like a year. Now that makes sense. <laughs> what is Craig Adams up to? Uh, uh, I forget. Yeah. There was somebody that they were playing last year. It was an East Coast team. Somebody that they don't see, like, ever. Mm-hmm. And... It was oh I think it was actually the hurricane that they that last year. It was, it was like who hadn't scored in like two years or something. Hadn't scored <laughs> a single goal. And he scored on the Kings. And I was like, Yeah, that sounds about right. Sucker punch to the heart. <laughs> oh. yeah. They wouldn't be the most metal team. In the NHL, <laughs> come on! They they even had a metal band that came and played their stadium series game. Oh, oh, the Kiss game! Don't you want to rock and roll all night, James? Ah, oh, it's weird when they weren't on the stage and weren't in the stadium. Their rehearsal sounded exactly the same as during the live performance. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Oh, I'm not saying anything. I know that the live mic for the guy who always introduces Kiss, like his batteries, uh, gave out. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think then Dave Joseph got to be the dude who introduces them. All I remember from that game is that they lost to a Wheaties box box and a bunch of traffic cones. (laughs) Three nothing. Oh, well, that did give us uh, Drew Doughty chirping Patrick Maroon. Buddy, you suck at hockey. Which is you still- were in the AHL for a long time. <laughs> That's still one of my favorite lines. Just like how sincere and matter of fact that chirp was. Buddy, you suck at hockey. <laughs> He's so <laughs> bad at trash talk. God. Every time he's mic'd up, he says the dumbest things, and I'm just like, oh, no. I feel like he does it on purpose when he's mic'd up. Could be wrong. Does he do it on purpose, or is he just that way? (laughs) Do we want your dowdy another way? (laughs) Oh, God. I don't need variety in my Drew Dowdy. I just need my Drew Daddy to always be Drew. 
I think that's one thing you can count on. <laughs> uh, I will say this. He is very much the epitome of an NHL player in that. For sure. I, I wouldn't want Drew Doughty as my CPA. <laughs> well, thank God for that. Like, I could just imagine him, like, looking at my, like, my receipts and just be like, buddy, you're bad at money. <laughs> well, thank God he's not your legal defense either because everyone's <laughs> to, to bring up at how bad he is at negotiating. Buddy, you're bad at crimes. <laughs> buddy, what is this What is this contract you signed? <laughs> Do you even negotiate, bro? <laughs> oh. Oh oh. Yeah, every time a player signs a new contract, literally, like, well, I guess it's mostly just NHL twi- or Twitter or hockey. Mm-hmm. They love to bring up the fact that Drew Doughty could have gotten more money or had more, more of his money protected, and he left it on the table. Like, he just negotiated very poorly about the structure of his contract. And they're like, yeah, don't be a Drew Doughty, kids. And I'm just like, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Do not say anything. It's not going to change their minds. Don't say anything. And it's like this. It's, it's like the same thing for me when people are like, Dustin Brown is trash. I'm like, nope, nope, mm, mm, not, nope. Not saying anything there. Not rising to that bait. (laughs) Justin Brown's trash until he's on your team. Well, I mean, that's the same thing as Brad Marchand. And if you're an Oilers fan, well, at least in half their fan base, it's uh, the same. James Neal. No, he plays for the – no, wait, does he play for the Oilers now? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say Zach Cassian. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Oh my god, that Battle of Alberta game. That was insanity. Oh, I love it. I l- just give me the chaos. Did you see what Wes McCauley did? Yes. Like, <laughs> I love Wes McCauley. Wes McCauley is the, well, he's, first of all, he's really good at his job, which makes him yes. awesome. And then secondly, he just says things like, you can't do that on a live mic. <laughs> <laughs> the dramatic pause. Oh, it's perfect. We have a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> and then he points at the ice so dramatically. Oh, but like the best is is announcing fighting majors. Like no one else does that. He's like two minutes each. Five or five fighting. minutes each. Fighting. And then he like does this like really rapid air punch with both hands. That's my favorite thing. Yes, uh, oh. I love. For those of uh, for those of you who don't know what Wes McCauley did, he kicked everybody. Well, not everybody, but he kicked the starters out of the faceoff circle so that the Kachuk boys could take the faceoff against each other. And he said to Matthew, "He's like, here, you got to take this uh, faceoff against your brother. Your mom will love that." <laughs> what a gem of a human being! Unbelievable. <laughs> Only he would think of. He'd be like, yes. I'm going to kick these two people out so that these two brothers can take a ceremonial face-off so that their mother will be very happy. Well, it wasn't even ceremonial. I guess it was regular. No, it, it was the, the opening face-off. Yeah, the opening face-off. He kicked them out so that they could have a moment for their for their mother. Like, that's an amazing thing. What, what an incredible person he is. Oh, he yeah. He cracks me up well, so much. Like, that 
because I believe he's number four. That's his uh his official number. I hope they retire it for him. Like I, <laughs> he he's he's because like I I maybe they retired like Kerry Frazier or something. I might have to Google this. Um, but like yeah, just give me West McCauley all day. He's just well. He's amazing. That's that's really the only way to to phrase it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, back to the Kings. Okay. So, um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. This is supposed to be about the Kings. The podcast about the Kings. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what we're doing? <laughs> I know it's a sucker punch to the heart. So why not focus on things that are happy, like Wes McCauley? Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, well, I guess we should wrap this up because I don't really have anything else to talk about. But Dennis Bernstein, he put out a question, a sort of informal poll, um, a few games ago, around like the 43-game mark. And he said, uh, the Kings are a little over halfway through their season now. Their record is worse now. Like, they have a worse record now than they did like halfway through or something or another. Uh, so he said, are you optimistic about their future? Do you think that they will make the playoffs next year? And I said, mm, I'm cautiously optimistic that they can be a bubble team. Will they make the playoffs next year? I sincerely doubt that they'll be in the top three of their I, division. I agree. I I feel like they're a team that misses the playoffs by four points. <laughs> things go according to that next year. You know, well, then it's just a, an entirely different sucker punch to the heart. <laughs> uh, the one that gives you hope. Oh, <laughs> uh, like Ontario. <sighs> I think it was two years ago. They had 20, 2016, I think it was. Or... Uh, or may, it might have been 2015. They had 97 points, and they missed the playoffs by one point. And they were eliminated by Calgary. Oh. Why do these things stick in my memory? I don't It's just painful. God. Yeah, I just... So, from what Blake said last year, they are gunning for another top five pick this year. So last year and then this year, they're gunning for a top five pick, which by all accounts, they will get it. And then oh, I doubt, I, since, I I think I've told everybody my conspiracy theory that the NHL sets the top five and then the rest is actually up to an actual lottery chance. Yeah. Um, I don't actually believe that the NHL would leave, that Gary Bettman being a lawyer would leave anything actually up to chance. Do you have you seen the videos of like Gary Bettman where it's like a hostage situation where he's like holding up the day's newspaper for the lottery? <laughs> I have not. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Oh, it's so good. Like, it, yeah, if you get a chance, just watch that. It's fun. Yes, I will. I will definitely have to watch that. Um, yeah. So I, I sincerely doubt that the the Kings will actually win the Alexi Lafreniere lottery. They're, they've In 50 plus years as a franchise, they have literally 
quite literally never had the number one overall pick. And of course, in, you know, three years, inside of three years, New Jersey gets it twice because they're, anyway. Well, I'd like to thank the always entertaining and very effervescent James Nicholson for joining me on the podcast today. Be on the lookout for more content and more podcasts this week as we are currently in the midst of the Kings bye week. So do be sure to stay tuned to all things Crown Conversations and of course all things Jewels from the Crown. And as always, if you have any questions or if you have a comment, leave them below in the comments or feel free to hit us up on Twitter. I am Robin, R-O-B-Y-N underscore J-F-T-C or feel free to hit up the main JFTC account, which is JFTC underscore Kings on Twitter. Until then, talk to you later, folks.